0: Welcome back to the Grand Valley Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you meet Jesus and grow in faith. Well, good morning and welcome here again. If you haven't met me before, my name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor here at Grand Valley. And this is a great Sunday to be here because we are starting into a new series. We kind of group our topics together in a series. And so we'll spend a couple weeks together talking about the same idea and kind of build up on it together. And so today we're starting a new series. And this series is about gifts, but I want to ask you a question about this. How many of you would say, And now, maybe don't put up your hand if your spouse is sitting. But how many of you would say you've received a bad gift from someone? Like, someone gave you something that they're like, oh, you really, you know, I, I saw this and it just made me think of you. And you're like, what do you think of me? Like, what's going on? Now, Sometimes we get bad gifts, but sometimes we also get get good gifts, and when someone gives you a gift that's meaningful, it often makes you just feel loved and cared for and appreciated. And so today what we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about this whole realm and this whole area of spiritual gifts, because there's another scenario in gift giving that might happen is, what if you gave someone a gift and they just chose to never open it? You know, you visit their place, and it's sitting on their counter, still all wrapped up, and you're like, you know, aren't you going to open that? And they're like, no, no, the, the wrapping paper is just too pretty. I just, I can't, open. now who, who wants to say their parents say that on Christmas morning? You're like, oh, I can't open this. The wrapping paper is just too pretty. Come on, just open the gift. But today we're talking about this idea that there's this teaching, and there's this concept in the New Testament that gets developed in Scripture called spiritual gifts. And many of us have taken that spiritual gift, and we've still left it wrapped. And so we're going to dive into this through this series in the next couple of weeks. What does it mean to unwrap and unpack and discover these spiritual gifts that God gives to us? Now, if you're here and you're checking things out, or maybe you have some background or some experience, and you're like, okay, spiritual gifts, aren't those like the weird things in the church? Well, sometimes sometimes. But the the truth is that we only think something is strange or or different if we don't understand it. And so what we're going to do in this series is kind of come to a common understanding and a common foundation of what spiritual gifts are, why they matter for the church, and why it's important for us as a community of faith, to dig into these. So if you're checking this place out, if you're, this is your first Sunday with us, you picked a great Sunday to be here because this is going to lay the foundation for the next couple weeks. And it's a journey I want to invite you to, to stick around and be part of with us as we go further into this topic. And just as we do, I want to give credit where credit's due because there's a pastor in Ontario named John Thompson at C4 Church in Ajax who's influenced my thinking on a lot of this. So some of the things I'm going to quote are coming from him as we go through this. But as always, I want to start us in Scripture. I want to start us with what the Bible has to say about this topic. And if, you're, if you have a Bible with you, we're going to start off in one of the Gospels, and we're going to move through the rest of the New Testament. Because all four of Uh, The four Gospels at the start of our New Testament all begin with the same event. Now, two of the Gospels start with Jesus' birth and the beginning of his life. And we actually only know two things about Jesus' life from when he was born until this event that we're going to start with today. And those two things are, you know, we know the narrative that we talk about every Christmas, about Jesus being born in Bethlehem. And the other thing we know about Jesus was when he was about 12 years old, his parents left him behind in Jerusalem for three days. Now, for all of us who are parents, that story should give us great comfort and great joy to realize, you know, if you have the savior of the, lo- of the world that you are raising, you don't leave them behind in a giant city for three days, right? So that should make all of us feel like parenting wins, you know, this week, shouldn't it? But what happens next is there's this big gap. We know nothing about Jesus's life from age 12 to about age 30. And at age 30, there's this event that all four gospel writers think is so important and so critical that they put it in as the beginning of his ministry. Now, just before Jesus, his cousin was born, John the Baptist, and John was given this special message from God to go and preach to the world and start saying that, you know, this Messiah, this promised one from our Old Testament, this, you know, deliverer of the world— is on his way. He's coming soon. And as people recognized what John the Baptist was talking about, he began this practice of baptizing people. And so one day, Jesus comes to his cousin, to John the Baptist, to be baptized. And Matthew records it this way. And he says this, he says, after his baptism, or he comes to his baptism. He actually, first he says, John says to Jesus, no, no, you should baptize me. And Jesus says, no, you need to baptize me. And so John the Baptist baptizes him. And this is what happens. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Now this is the moment that Jesus's ministry begins. This is the moment that he goes from being a craftsman or a builder living in Galilee and Nazareth area to beginning his ministry as the Son of God, as Jesus Christ come into the world to preach and to teach. Now, there's something important about this that we need to recognize is that Jesus's ministry did not begin until the Holy Spirit descended on him at his baptism this is the moment it starts. Because sometimes when we look at Jesus, and we tend to think of him just as Jesus who is fully divine, we think of him as the Son of God come into the world. But what we can miss in that, if we focus too much on that side, is that Jesus was also fully human. He was fully man. He was fully a person born and raised on this world. And what what happened in his baptism shows is that for Jesus, all the things that he did, all the miracles he performed, all the times he taught, all the times he spoke, all the times he interacted with people, were not because he was the Son of God, but were because the Holy Spirit descended and dwelled upon him. In fact, when Jesus did everything he did, we sometimes actually need to flip this around in our minds to recognize he did it because of the Holy Spirit empowering him. Now, this concept was a little strange for the early church, and they they even struggled with it. And so later on, when Paul was writing a letter to the Philippian church, he clarifies, and he he brings some, some clarity to this picture when he said this in Philippians 2, though Jesus was God, he did not think that equality with God was something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. See, Paul is clarifying for the church. Everything that Jesus did, it wasn't because he's God. He did it because he had the Holy Spirit dwelling in him and with him, and the Holy Spirit was empowering. Everything that Jesus did, everything that happened, is because of the Holy Spirit working through Jesus. And this is the foundation of this whole idea and this whole realm of spiritual gifts, because it's up to us to recognize this and see that the Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus' ministry, that empowered every teaching, every miracle, everything that he did, is the same Holy Spirit that gives us spiritual gifts today. In fact, everything that Jesus did, he told his disciples, and he promised to them that the Holy Spirit would come and would give them abilities, would give them gifts, would give them power, would shape them, and help them do what they needed to do next. That was all because of the Holy Spirit coming to the disciples. And so we need to recognize this today, and this is the foundation of this whole area of spiritual gifts, is to recognize it's because of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and on us and with us that we have spiritual gifts. Now, so what is a spiritual gift? I've I've talked about it a bunch of times. What is it? And we sometimes get two things confused with spiritual gifts that aren't spiritual gifts, but we sometimes think they are. And so there's two things that are not spiritual gifts. And the first is natural abilities, the way you are born. Even though it comes from God, it's distinct from a spiritual ability or a spiritual gift. So a natural ability would be something like athleticism or perfect pitch. You know, if someone doesn't have perfect pitch by age six, they will never develop perfect pitch where you can play any note on a keyboard and they'll be able to just tell you exactly what note that is and how much you're sharp or flat on it. Or someone like Usain Bolt, who is, you know, the fastest man alive. They've actually done studies on his body and his muscles. And most of us, we get 50-50 fast twitch and 50-50 slow twitch muscles that make up our body. But for some weird reason, Usain Bolt sits at like 65 to 85% fast twitch muscles. He is just genetically predisposed to be faster than everyone else. That is a natural ability. That's different and distinct from a spiritual gift. And the second thing that we sometimes think is a spiritual gift but isn't is our learned skills and our talents. See, things that we have learned and developed over years of practice and work are are different and distinct. So things like learning to play an instrument is a skill that we learn and a talent that we acquire through practice and work. It's actually still distinct from a spiritual gift. So what is a spiritual gift? And this is the definition that we're going to use and we're going to rely on through this series, is that spiritual gifts are a specific ability that is given to all followers of Jesus by the Holy Spirit for the sake of ministering to one another. And that word ministering, if it's unfamiliar to you, just means to build up, to encourage, to strengthen, to care for, to love one another. It means to support each other. And so a spiritual gift is a specific ability. That means there is some constraints around what it is. There's a specific what it is, what this ability is that that a person has been given by the Holy Spirit. We know that it's given to all followers. Everyone who has put their trust in Jesus has a spiritual gift, whether you know it or you don't. And that's why we're doing this series, because I want to help you understand and unwrap and unpack what your spiritual gift is. Because when we live in our spiritual gift when we start living it out on a regular basis, it changes our walk with God and it propels us forward in exciting ways. And we're going to get more to that moment. And it's given to us by the Holy Spirit. This is a gift given to us. It's not something we can acquire on our own. And so... When Paul was writing letters to the church, this whole topic of spiritual gifts was confusing to a lot of the church in the early days, in the first century. And so because of that, Paul wrote quite extensively about spiritual gifts. And so we have the benefit of having those scriptures to read and to look through and discover deeper what these mean. And one of the churches that really struggled with this was the church in Corinth that we have the letters of First and Second Corinthians. And so in 1 Corinthians, Paul unpacks, and he's dealing with some issues this church is having, and then he spends a large portion on spiritual gifts, and we're going to go to that at 1 Corinthians 12. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, Paul says this, he says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Each of us means all of us have this, and there's, again, there's this purpose language that it comes so that we can help each other. And he goes on and he says, To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the Spirit gives message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. And so these four verses are one of the lists of spiritual gifts that pop up at several places through our New Testament. And we're actually not going to dive into each one of these today. That's going to be our next couple weeks. But what I want us to see is that these gifts are categorized. In fact, there's about 20 spiritual gifts. When we compile all the lists together, there's 20 spiritual gifts that are laid out in Scripture. And we're going to spend some time over the next three weeks digging into these. But then, this is the key part. This is what Paul gets to in the next verse. He says, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And so to quote John Thompson on this, he says, the lists of spiritual gifts are not a buffet table. You don't get to go each day and say, you know, today I'd like a a spoonful of prophecy, a heaping of wisdom, uh, and a little bit of faith. You know, we don't get to do that each day and say, okay, what's the spiritual gift that I want for today? No, these are a distinct given ability to us. And we can pray and we can ask God for spiritual gifts. If there's a gift on the list, you're like, God, I'd really like to have that one. It's still up to the Holy Spirit to decide which spiritual gift each of us gets. It's completely up to the Spirit. God gets to decide what God's going to do, and we get to live with that. But here's the cool thing. We know that each one of us has been given the spiritual gift, whether we recognize what that gift is yet or not. So that kind of leads to this question you're probably thinking, how do I discover which spiritual gift or gifts has the Holy Spirit given to me? Now, some of us may only have one or two gifts from this list, and oftentimes there's like a primary or a secondary, or sometimes you might be like, well, there's a little bit of this one that kind of seems to pop up in my life too. And that's okay, because it always comes down to the Holy Spirit chooses which spiritual gifts to give us for the sake of the church, to build one another up. And so we have to always keep that in mind, that these spiritual gifts are for a purpose that is always outwards. So how do you discover your spiritual gift? And there's kind of three things that I want to tell us uh, and share with you that we can look for to discover when these spiritual gifts start to happen and start to unveil themselves. And so the first is that when you use your spiritual gift, unexpected things happen. And What I mean by unexpected, it's like when you are doing something in the realm of your spiritual gift, it's like everything you touch turns to gold in that area. Something just works out. You're kind of like, you know, I didn't put that much effort into it. Like I, I cared, I worked at it, but the results that came out of it was something so much more and something so much bigger. Now, let's let's take uh let's use an example of, of a gift that I don't have. And that's actually the gift of mercy, which is the gift of wanting to walk with people and alleviate their suffering and be with them and be this compassionate, caring force in their life that, that helps guide them into God's love. And I don't have that gift. So if you are at the hospital and I show up, that's actually not a good sign. I'm there to say, what do you want done at your funeral? Because you're probably gonna die, okay? Let's just be blunt about that, okay? But someone, if I come to you, and, I, and that's not to say that I won't visit you, okay? I don't want you to like, be scared if you see me walking down the halls of the hospital, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating on this. But someone with the gift of mercy, when they come alongside someone that's hurting, you know they are able to minister God's presence and God's love and God's grace in a way that is just astounding and amazing to watch. Now, all of us need to be loving and compassionate. All of us are called to do this, and I'm going to get to that a little later about how we, how we need to treat these spiritual gifts if it's a gift we don't have. But for someone who doesn't have the gift of mercy— They may walk with someone and comfort them and bring caring and bring God's love into their presence. But when when I do that with someone and then I walk away, I need a nap. Like I am fatigued. I am wiped out. I'm done for the day because it's not my spiritual gift. But someone with that spiritual gift, it happens in unexpected ways. You're kind of like, whoa, that turned out way better than I ever expected it could have. Well, that's because it's the Holy Spirit's gift and the Holy Spirit is working through you and empowering what you do in in ways that are just insane and crazy. And we could go on and we could spend a lot of time with stories of, of when people use their spiritual gifts and unexpected and amazing things happen. Now, another way that we can discover your spiritual gift is that when you act in your spiritual gift, it's done with two critical things, with ease and with joy. Someone with the gift of mercy finds it, um, there's this ease and grace that they have as they're serving and acting out their gift. And there's also this joy, there's this deep sense of fulfillment that we get when we are walking and working in line with the spiritual gifts that God has already given to us. It might be some, you know, like that, that example I said with the gift of mercy you know, they walk out of that hospital room and they feel elated. They feel joyful of like, man, God's presence just came and really ministered to that person. And, you know, they're in a better state of mind. Their relationship with God is, is coming back together and is being healed through that. And there's a joy that comes with it. When we're acting in our spiritual gifts, there's a sense of fulfillment that is beyond any sense of accomplishment because it's a sense of fulfillment that comes with walking in step and in line with the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is something that draws us deeper into our walk with God. And so, again, when you are using your spiritual gift, there is an ease to it. It's easier for you to do that thing than someone who doesn't have that spiritual gift. And the third way is that oftentimes other people are the ones who recognize and reveal your spiritual gift to you. Sometimes we struggle to see our own spiritual gifts. And in fact, it's through other people in your life observing and recognizing and saying, hey, when you did that, you know, when you did that, that was so easy and You're like, yeah, isn't it this easy for everyone? And they're like, no, it's not. In fact, it's easy because that was your spiritual gift, and we don't recognize that. In fact, if I take you back about six or seven-ish years ago when I was still the associate pastor here and our previous pastor kind of pushed me into taking a preaching course and said, it's time for you to start preaching on Sundays— And I discovered something about our church at that time. I preached my first sermon, and a lot of you lied to me because you came and you told me it was good. And it wasn't. In fact, that recording doesn't exist anymore. It's been deleted, and it's gone, because those first, like, year, you know, you guys had the gift of, like, long-suffering because you tolerated me through that first year. But here's the thing that was happening, though you guys were encouraging and affirming me because I couldn't see it. I didn't think that was what I was supposed to do, but you could. And so it was people that were constantly, you know, especially people with the encouragement gifts that were kind of saying, you know, Brian, you got to keep at it. You got to keep at it. You got to keep at it. And eventually I started to realize, oh wait, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is my spiritual gift. You know, I just thought you were all liars, but then I realized you actually, you know, you were encouraging me by being very generous with your words. <laughs> I'll put it that way, okay? But other people will often be the ones to recognize and call out your spiritual gifts. They'll be the one to say, "Hey, I think you have this gift." And one of the things that that I want you to pay attention to, if someone through this series says to you, "Hey, I think you have this gift," is, is if they treat it with that kind of like open-handedness of I think, or maybe, or might. Now someone might be like, you have this gift. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe I, maybe I do. But it, sometimes we have to hold these things loosely because we may be wrong when we assess someone's gift. And so we hold it loosely and we say, okay, so if something maybe is a spiritual gift, what do we do? We got to lean into it. There's, we, there's passages of Scripture we can read. We can look at examples from the New Testament letters and, and the Gospels and Acts, and we can see where these spiritual gifts are, and we can say, okay, is that, is that kind of where I'm walking with? When we're trying to discover our spiritual gifts, we need to lean into them. We need to discover and learn them. And when we use them for the first time, things may not, we may not get that unexpected, crazy, outrageous result that happens when God just shows up and empowers what's going on. Sometimes the first few times we lean into a spiritual gift, we, you know, may not do it very well, but that's okay because spiritual gifts do take time to nurture and to grow. And so so don't give up the first time if you think, oh, this didn't work out well, because that's not the way that spiritual gifts are made. So when we use our spiritual gifts, there's a, a disproportionate result. Unexpected outcomes happen. There's an ease and a joy of serving in that area because it's the Holy Spirit empowering us that's different than what other people get to experience. And we've got to remember that other people will sometimes be the ones to point it out. Now, something that I didn't say in this list is one of those Facebook tests or online quizzes about discover your spiritual gift. They're not necessarily bad, but they're not all built the same. They're not all necessarily good either. Because when you do a a test of like, I'm going to, you know, will flip through 20 questions, pick the answer, and says, oh, you have the gift of encouragement. Those tests actually reveal how a spiritual gift and a natural talent might line up in your life. It could be an indicator, but I wouldn't take an online test or a book or, a, or, or something like that to be the outright, oh, this is the gift you have. Why? Because of the purpose of the gifts. Gifts are designed for a community to be lived out in a community with one another. And so we can't discover and fully lean into our spiritual gifts if we try to do it alone, isolated. We have to do this together as a community of faith. This is something that you need other people around you to walk through and work through together. So a spiritual gift inventory, are they a bad thing? No. Just know that they're not always correct, because if you do it in isolation, you're missing this communal part. You're missing how other people recognize and reveal your gifts. So if something is not a spiritual gift, if you think back to that list and you think, okay, there's something on there, like, I don't even know what that is. I definitely don't have that. If something is not a spiritual gift for you, then it's a spiritual discipline to learn. See, all of us are called to be loving. All of us are called to be merciful. All of us are called to show compassion. All of us are called to encourage one another. All of us should be able to explain scripture and and talk through our faith with one another. Even if that's not your spiritual gift, it's something for us to lean into and learn. I don't get a pass and get to say, I can be an uncompassionate jerk to everyone because I don't have the gift of mercy. That's not true. We don't get to just say, that's not my gift, so I'm completely hands off it. If something is not a spiritual gift then it's still a spiritual discipline for us to learn. Now, there's one category of gifts where this gets a little different, and we gotta, we're going to unpack that when we, have, when we come to our last week in this series together. But keep this in mind, if something's not a spiritual gift, as we talk more about gifts through this series, that maybe it's a discipline to learn of how do I be more caring and merciful and compassionate when I'm in a situation that requires that. Now, secondly, one of the things to remember about The spiritual gifts is that our character determines how effective we will be in our spiritual gift. Our character sets how effective we will be. In other words, how we live our lives, how our relationship with God is, will set if when we use our spiritual gift, if if it frees the Holy Spirit to do more through us or not. In fact, Jesus talked to his disciples about this. On the last night he had together with his disciples before he was going to be betrayed and arrested and crucified, he told his disciples this. He used this example. He says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is what Jesus was telling his disciples. Your character, your connection to Jesus is so critical because if we try to exercise our spiritual gift, if we try to exercise our spiritual gift without a deep connection to Christ, it's just human effort. The Holy Spirit isn't empowering it if we have severed ourselves from Christ. And so it's up to us to say, what's our character? Are we actually living the way that God has called us to live? Are we leaning in? Are we living this out so that we can produce fruit, so that we can build up the church, so we can encourage one another, so we can together, as a community of faith, dive deeper into these areas? Because every one of us, remember, has a spiritual gift. Whether we're using it or not yet, it just means we have more to discover and more to lean into. And so our character determines that. And lastly, every spiritual gift comes with a predetermined capacity. Now, not everyone who has the gift of evangelism will be Billy Graham. And if you don't know who Billy Graham was, he was uh, a speaker and a preacher of the 20th century who passed away uh, just a year or so ago. And he would go on these speaking tours and he would speak to millions of people. They would pack out stadiums of people would come to hear him tell people about Jesus, and millions of people came to faith in Christ through the ministry of Billy Graham. But there's only been one Billy Graham in the last century. Not just because you have a spiritual gift, God determines ahead of time what the capacity of this is. And in fact, to use a metaphor for this, if you think of a river flowing down, you know, even through the prairies where it's flat out here, a river still has established banks. And this time of year, when the river overflows and when it goes past its banks, it causes flooding and it causes damage. Our spiritual gifts all come with a predetermined capacity. And so when we try to push ourselves beyond our capacity, and it may be with the best of intention, but sometimes we overstep things too far. And that's where we need to find balance in our spiritual gifting. We need to figure out how do we use our spiritual gifts in ways that build up that we don't overstep and overflow and cause flooding and cause collateral damage, because that's not the purpose of spiritual gifts. But sometimes, even though we have the best of intentions, things may not work the way we wanted to. And that's what was happening in the Corinthian church when Paul was writing to them, that 1 Corinthians 12 passage we just read. So he wrote, 1 Corinthians 12 is all this digging into spiritual gifts. And then he stops and he says, but... There is a way of living that is better than all of this. And here's what he says. He goes to 1 Corinthians 13. Now, we're used to hearing this passage said at weddings, even though Paul never intended for this to be said at weddings because it dives into a topic that comes up at weddings. But we're going to start a few verses before this famous part comes up. Paul writes this he says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but if I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and sacrificed even my body, I could humanly boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained Nothing. Now, here's the passage we know. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. So why does Paul go from talking about spiritual gifts into this description of love? here. Love is what prevents us from using our spiritual gifts improperly and exceeding our gifts capacity. Having a deep well and a deep starting point of love for one another is what gives us the grace that if someone oversteps, it doesn't offend when someone tries and maybe they just miss the mark by, you know, that little bit, love is what comes alongside them and picks them up and says, all right, what can we learn? How can we move forward in this? Where do we go from here? See, Paul puts this passage of love in the center of the topic of spiritual gifts, because if we don't have love, we're nothing. Love is the foundation that prevents spiritual gifts from being misused or handled improperly, And so this always has to be our starting point, that when we act in our spiritual gifts, we are doing it from a position and posture of love for one another. That's the bedrock. That's the foundation of this. Now, the spiritual gifts, that the listing that we read a little earlier in 1 Corinthians 12 was just one of a couple listings of gifts. And here's what we're going to do through this series, is we're going to take these spiritual gift lists, and we've compiled them down, and I've I've relied on the work of scholars and other pastors that have dug through this for years and centuries, and they all kind of come to these same three main groupings. And so we're going to address the spiritual gifts in groupings. We're going to talk about love gifts, we're going to talk about word gifts, and we're going to talk about power gifts over the next three weeks. Now, Here's what we need to know about these as a starting point. Healthy and thriving churches need all three categories of these gifts to be present. Oftentimes, we're good at two out of three. And if you think of a stool with only two legs, you know, that takes a lot of work to balance on it. Sometimes we've all, maybe we've been in churches, or, or maybe this has been part of our past, there. maybe there's been times where we've been good at two out of three. Usually it's love and word are the ones that we find easier to be good at together. But we're missing a third of the gifts. In fact, what the Holy Spirit gives is for the sake of building up the church. And so it is up to us as a community faith to say, how do we create an environment, how do we create an atmosphere where we are freeing people to explore and understand and live out their spiritual giftings because they're given to the church for a purpose. They're given to the church for a reason. Because when we live out this love, when we live out the love that underlies this, when we create a safe place for gifts to be discovered and explored and empowered and lived out, that's when we start seeing the Holy Spirit show up. Because when we're willing to walk in this together, unexpected things can happen. And sometimes when something unexpected may seem strange, remember, it's only strange because it's unexpected and we don't understand it yet. And so over the next three weeks, this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at each of these categories one by one, a love, word, and power. And we're going to dig into what these gifts are. We're going to dig into how you can understand if maybe you have one of these gifts. And my hope in this is what we're going to do is at the end of each of these messages, we're going to spend some time and we're just going to pray for people that have those gifts to understand and reveal them for them to be able to understand and and have the Holy Spirit reveal that so we can step into this together as a community of faith. So here's the question I have for you. And it's just one simple question for today for you to think about and wrestle with. And then if you want to take this deeper in your life group, we have discussion questions on our website. And there's some conversation starters that you know if you're in a life group, it'd be a great thing to work through with your life group or maybe over a coffee with a friend to dig into these questions. But here's the question. Are you willing to seek the spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit has given to you. Now remember, this is a gift that the Holy Spirit has already given to you, and some of us have left it wrapped. And I want to challenge you. Are you willing to start unwrapping that gift and discover what it is? That's where we're going with this series, folks. That's what I want to invite you into. And so let's take a moment. I want to pray for our church as we start into this. God, you saw fit to come into the world... To start a relationship with us. And Lord, your Holy Spirit comes and your word tells us the Holy Spirit dwells with us and within us. And that you have given each of us spiritual gifts. And so Lord, I pray that we as a community of faith would dig into these spiritual gifts together. Lord, I pray that as one body, that we would lean in and discover the unique ways that you have empowered uh, each of us to serve. And God, I pray that as we figure this out together, as we wrestle, that even though there may be times where this gets messy and we kind of throw up our hands and we say, God, what do we do? How do we figure this out? How do we walk in this together? We know that you have the answers and we know that you love to tell us the answers. And so Lord, would you guide us deeper in our faith with you so that we lean into these spiritual gifts. And Lord, for the people who are here that are, are, are hearing this and something stirring inside them, and they're thinking, you know, maybe there's this gift, maybe there's this thing you've given me. Lord, would you let that little spark become an ember and a flame? Would it become a passion that we dive into to say, how do we go further in this? How do we fully unwrap and discover the gifts that you have given to us? So Lord, would you draw us deeper into your presence, Would you help us to understand what you've already given us and would we use them to further your kingdom so that people from all walks of life, from people all around this area would know who you are and would come to know your saving grace, your love for us and that you have called us to shape and change the world. So Lord, would we lean into this together? In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray this together. Amen. So folks, next week, we are starting into word gifts or sorry starting into love gifts word gifts and then power gifts so I want to invite you to make it a put it on your calendar plan to be here next Sunday as we dig into this together. And so folks I hope you have a great week and I hope you wrestle with the Holy Spirit this week. We hope this message helped you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. You can find out more about us by going to mygrandvalley.ca.